some super exciting news. Over at Text Talks, we get a huge number of artists reaching out to us to highlight their amazing content. And because we plan our seasons quite far in advance, we often can't accommodate requests to spotlight some of the amazing up-and-coming talents South Africa, Africa, and the world has to offer. And so we started Text Talks Extra. Text Talks Extra has gone on to become its own beast, and thanks to all of your support, we are super excited to announce that our friends in the culture of humor have stepped up to collaborate with us for the next season of Text Talks Extra, launching on the 14th of February. Puma have been at the very forefront of the culture through iconic collabs with the likes of Nomzamo Mabata, Winnie Harlow, Dua Lipa and Cara Delevingne, to Nintendo and even my fave sweeties Haribo, while always looking toward being more sustainable in the pursuit of their biodegradable shoe experiments. I mean, this is the brand that bought us suede, a fashion icon that's been a staple since its first drop in the 70s. Finally, keep your finger on that refresh button on Puma's Insta. Ruba has it with restrictions easing more and more. Select sessions might just be happening live and in person at their flagship Bramfontein store. So don't say we didn't warn you. We are stoked to be collaborating with Puma again and can't wait to bring you only the freshest content on Text Talks Extra, including all the happenings in the land of Puma for 2022. Whether it's their latest collab, hashtag select sessions, hashtag suede Sundays, or just a reminder that she moves us. Catch all the drops on at Puma South Africa on Insta or wherever you follow the iconic cat. And now, back to the show. Welcome to Tex Talks Extra. I am Tex, and today I'm talking to a singer-songwriter who has seemingly come out of nowhere and produced some of the most striking music I've heard in a very, very long time. I'm, of course, talking about a boy named Blue, and he joins me today with his co-producer and guitarist, Kat Gallant. Guys, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much for having us. Uh, yeah, we're really good, and yeah, just excited to be on the show. It's a, it's a pleasure being. We've been. I've been personally following your your um, your website for ages, so it's an honor to be part of it and just have a chat with you. This is the first time we've actually spoken in person. Yeah, in person on a podcast. It's nice. I know. I know. You know what? I was thinking the other day with Tex in the City specifically. Uh, we predominantly only cover up-and-coming independent artists and so often I don't get to interact with those artists anymore because you know I have a team of writers and contributors now so with text talks extra it's been really really nice to open it up um, and go back to my roots and do interviews with with artists who I think are are, are the next wave well, thank you so much that's a very nice thank compliment. you very much so Blue, I'm going to start with you because, you know, even though I've written a bunch of things about you on Text in the City, I still feel like you're a total enigma to me. So so let's set the scene, right? And start with, where were you born? <laughs> I was born um, in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, my dad's from the UK and my mom's South African. Mm-hmm. And I spent, yeah, so I lived in Germany for about four years when I was a kid. And then I spent some time in the UK. And then I moved to South Africa. Uh, when I was about eight. And yeah, I grew up in Joburg. Um, 
And then when I was around 15, I got into music and yeah, I ended up living in Atlanta for two years um, in America between yeah, the ages of 16 and 18. And that's yeah, where I sort of got my start in music and started producing and writing. Um, and yeah, I actually lived with my manager in the States and he very suddenly passed away at the beginning of 2017. So that's when I moved back to South Africa, uh, obviously under the circumstances and started, I pretty much started again. So uh, just, I think that whole process with losing him was sort of where A Boy Named Blue was born and yeah, where the, yeah, like this project started. So it's been about a year and a half or two years that we've been working on it. Uh, and we released our first project last year, end of April, um, which was called Alone on Most Days. And that was then followed up with another EP called In a Room with No Floors, which came out at the end of last year. Yeah, so that's just a short story or history. That sums it up really nicely. And we'll get to the music. I've got all the questions about the music. But Kat, how long have you and Blue known each other for? Where did your musical partnership begin? Were you homies first? I slid into his DMs to be frank. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, we just started trading. It was during lockdown. And he was in Cape Town for about two months. And then he went back to Frankfurt to renew his citizenship, I believe. And we kind of just worked back and forth, like I guess a lot of people did during lockdown, sending stems, you know, via email, back and forth, we transfer. And um, I guess we liked how things shaped up, you know, we, we, with collaboration, always find it works. Once I got, once we started having, we had this phone call, which really triggered everything, I feel, it was like the catalyst for everything. And, and we both realized exactly what we want to do musically. And I always find like in musical partnerships, if both people are reaching for one North Star, there has to be sort of one golden thread everyone goes for. And then you're on the same page and then the music comes from there, from that place. So I know him, I knew him online <laughs> for about six months and then finally we, we met in person and we just clicked. You know, it's one of those lucky online pen pals. Online <laughs> pen pal stories, pen pals. you know? I'm sure it happens on Bumble and Tinder too. You find that iPhone. <laughs> yeah, and they can also go really, really wrong, like the Tinder swindler, but we won't go there. So you don't give up people. <laughs> but um but describe that first that first meeting between the two of you, Blue. Um, because you know, it's like someone, you know, someone that you've been talking to for a while, you know, you've been chatting, talking about music and whatever, and then you know, you meet and you find out you've got a lot in common, like how soon after that did you start actually making music? Right, yeah, so we had started at the beginning of lockdown, just like Kat said, uh, trading stems and working on ideas remotely. Mm. And then at the end of 2020 is when we first met. And I think we actually just clicked as friends, more so in person as well. And that just really helped the music because there's a, like a level of comfortability that we felt while writing together. And yeah, I think that really helped just, we weren't afraid, like, afraid, we weren't afraid to try anything in the room. Um, and 
yeah, I think also just because we had, we've been listening to similar music at the time. So we had a similar taste uh, and palette. So yeah, I think that just also, when we had the first session and we worked in person, we realized we could actually take it a lot further in person than online. Because just feeding off each other's ideas in the room just brought like a whole nother dynamic to the songwriting. So You said that you were listening to similar music. What what music were you guys listening to, Kat? Oh, okay. So King Cool was a big one. Um, bon Iver, um, The Beatles. Um, what else was it? Frank Ocean. Okay. Um, Frank, my boy. What else was it, DJ? Yeah, no, I think, I think those are the main ones. Um, Joy Division at the time as well, like sort of late 80s, early 90s uh, guitar music. I hear that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm I'm just going to deviate very quickly from my line of questioning and ask about the dog in the background. I want to know his name. I want to know what kind of dog he is. I'm like a dog fanatic and I heard him barking. So now you need to tell me everything. I know you guys are on a farm currently, which is amazing. I wish I was there. <laughs> so I think you'd love it here because the dog that was barking is one of nine dogs uh, and her name's Teddy. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, we thought that it might bleed into the mic, but the fact that you love dogs is just, yeah, <laughs> this is even better. Teddy boy. Uh, yeah, that one, one of nine dogs sounds like heaven to me. I'm going to go home tonight. I'm going to tell my boyfriend. I was on a podcast today and the guy said he was on a farm and had one of nine dogs. So we can have 12. If he can have nine, we can have 12. Um, <laughs> but, but, Blue, you mentioned your debut ep alone on most days um it's a deep dive into the themes of loss and substance abuse and just a general disillusionment with life right it's basically the kind of music that would soundtrack a euphoria episode perfectly so you guys need to get on that that's a good sync for you (laughs) but did you ever think twice about like being so candid with the lyrics that you were writing at any point um no i didn't i didn't think twice um i think that yeah the whole thing about blue was to just be as honest as possible and capture every time frame that we were in honestly in the music so whatever we write in those six months will be the project and it'll be well i think it'll be as honest as possible you know it'll just be an honest reflection of where we're at cat when you think back on the first ep was it daunting at all for you waiting to see how it was going to be received? Because I know putting out any kind of creative work for the first time, you know, it's always the most nerve wracking. Yeah, actually, I had the opposite experience with this because for me, um, it felt like there was no one kind of knew blue I was. So it was comfort in that, that was kind of just making music for ourselves to a large extent. And if, therefore, I think that can work in your favor because it, give you, it could give you the license to be really honest and experimental with your music. The fact that mm. without, without the fear of being heard or, or watched or seen. And I think that actually also in turn helped Desmond be really, really candid. And I always believe, this is like my golden rule, if there's honesty in music and a bit of vulnerability in the lyrics, people are going to connect to it because they're very all human. And I feel like What's amazing is a lot of his experiences, people have commented or, or messaged us on Instagram and honestly relate to the music. And he's singing from such a personal perspective, it's 
it's beautiful to know that and we all suffer from the same human condition is it like essentially and given covid's kind of magnified that mm-hmm. anxiety the sort of we live in a state of global anxiety at the moment <clears throat> and um so so we basically didn't we came out of nowhere with that ep and it was comfort in that to a large extent you know gave us the freedom to do whatever we want and just make sure we enjoy it first i mean you, you can we want to make music we enjoy and we can't control whether people like it or not you know that's just one of those things yeah once the music goes out into the world it's out in the world you guys are very thoughtful in your answers i'm i'm very impressed it's like you listen to the question and then you like take a second and then you like but i'm 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 very impressed i'm very very impressed but blue you mentioned uh, that you released the first EP alone on most days in April of last year. Then you followed that up very, very quickly six months later with In a Room with No Flaws. That serves as the yin to the first EP's yang because if you read the titles back to back, you can see that they coexist together. You know, uh, Alone on Most Days, In a Room with No Flaws, which I love. But it feels like with the second EP, you've grown up in different ways, especially on a track like, you know, Blue Side of the Moon where you're talking to your younger self. Did you feel that growth at all in between the two EPs? Um, yes, for sure. So the, the thing is, with the first EP, we had been writing it over a long period of time. So, like, Building a Boat was recorded a lot earlier than the rest of the songs on the first EP. And with the second EP, we had put out the first project and we didn't have any lead up singles or any singles to follow the first project. So we dropped and then we realized, okay, we don't have anything, you know, like we don't have anything else to feed, to feed the algorithm with, I guess. Mm. So, <laughs> and, yeah, that put us in this headspace where we locked in like a nine to five and we just treated it like that. And we realized that the more time we spend just throwing ideas out there, the more likely we are to stumble across something. And yeah, those, so the next six, songs on in a room on floors that sort of happened over a three-week period and then we went straight into mixing after that um and yeah there was also just something that's when we realized we should just whatever we record in that time frame is what the project's going to be and we just put it out and let you know and let people decide because it's not up to us at the end of the day mm. Kat you you co-produced the second EP. What what was your vision for the project? And how was that vision different from the first EP at all? Um, there was no specific vision we had in mind. I think we knew that we wanted to expand, um, at least put more drums on the second EP. Because I think the first EP, there was only two songs with drums. We knew that was kind of one of the things we wanted to actively implement in the second EP. But also, the thing with the second EP was... What we were listening to at the time of the creation of the second EP was a lot different to the first EP. I mean, we're getting back into the Strokes and um, just a lot of different bands, Bowie and and those sort of guys. And we liked the idea, especially from Bowie, of like shape-shifting, you know, it's like doing different genres in one record. And um, I don't know, for me, I feel like, you know, that's just the way the... It's just a more modernistic EP in that sense, in the sense that like there's a saying that we create in the same way, so we consume in the same way we create. Like music's changed completely, and it's a completely non-linear way to to the way we listen to music compared to the past. In the past, you'd have one final record, and that would be the album you listen to. 
Then you go to buy another album and listen to it. Whereas now we sort of the playlist editor. And there's a lot of stuff that moved us from Joy Division to David Bowie to um, Nirvana to Block Party um, to The Strokes. And it was just a culmination of whatever we enjoyed, basically, we were writing, you know. We didn't uh, decide on a specific direction for the album. It was just songs we liked at the end of the day. And I think it's a testament to basically the way a lot of people make music nowadays is we, we create in the same way we consume. So you've sent me some sneaky demos to listen to of the new music that you're working on. So in the same vein of what you were just talking about, um, in terms of being inspired by whatever it is that you're listening to or your current surroundings, what is the new music that you're working on? What is that inspired by? Um, yeah, so I think the new music is definitely inspired um, yeah, it's a new record, essentially. So what happened to us was actually, well, it's quite tragic, but I, a lot of people probably faced it, is we had a lot of deaths in our families, um, respectively, Desmond and I. And um, essentially what we, that came from a place where we felt like the only place we could release that sort of feeling of, you know, like the, the grieving process was through music. So it was more of a cathartic mm-hmm. experience compared to the first two. And I think it's, it's something that speaks to also the greater demographic, given the, the COVID pandemic and how much, you know, lives at stake yeah. and stuff like that. So we're looking at something more cathartic and therefore, well, not to give too much away, spoiler alert, um, it's slightly more upbeat, I feel, you know, which is strange for us because it's obviously a really, I mean, quite a dark period. And through that, some, we found some catharsis in more upbeat music. And I think that's just also, it's was a different way for us to express our emotions, which also we look at when we, we're making music, you know, is, is using different sonic palettes to, um, as a means of catharsis to, um, to express basically what we need to. Hmm. When I spoke to the Lumineers, yeah. they said, that they were busy working on their new album and mm. it was still pretty much in the middle of uh, a hectic lockdown for both South Africa and America. Okay. And Jeremiah said something very interesting where he was like, there's going to be this wave of music that's going to be created. That was created during the pandemic, during lockdown mm. um, and then released after or influenced by the pandemic and he yeah. said it's going it's going to it it could potentially sort of change change the way that we engage with music because it'll it'll either you know be upbeat people who are looking for like the silver lining yeah. or it will be you know a little bit a little bit more introspective a little bit heavier you know for people yeah. who are paying homage to what was so I feel like I've listened to those demos. Thank you for sending them to me. Um, it's <laughs> fantastic. I feel like your demos skirt those two. It sits quite squarely in the middle. Um, and and I can hear the, you know, the the upbeat vibes, but it's still a bit angsty and it's still got that introspective edge. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to to hearing the finished product. Well, thank you for that. I was coming out soon to know if it's coming out soon. 
Um, yeah, but I completely agree with that sentiment. I believe like the lockdown itself will, has changed a lot of the way people um, create and consume music in the sense that like, because there were so many, like there were no live shows for so long, people actually got into mm. the studio a lot. Well, either in two ways, people were either just like kind of disillusioned by it or they just jumped into the studio full on. And we obviously did the latter. And um, yeah, that's... And also a key theme of this, the new EP is... Because we put out... Didn't we realize that this wave of artists have been releasing music during lockdown? Because <clears throat> obviously there was maybe nothing else to do. And we, we, we had this realization that, like, you know, about this character being completely lost in the internet. Do you know? <laughs> Um, mm. which size is a concept which will yes. yet to be revealed yeah <laughs> about the new EP <laughs> when the title comes out but yeah so tell me what does the future look like for your live shows like you've got to let me know because I need to write down a reminder for when I can book you guys for a gig what does that look like <laughs> in your future we're busy uh, rehearsing like once or twice a week just running to the set um just to make sure that we are ready. But I'd say hopefully from March that we'll actually start performing because I think that's... Oh, wow. Okay, soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got to... Yeah, I'd say like by the end of March, you could book us. We'll be ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me, where is your farm? Uh, just outside of Stellenbosch um, in a place called Bunny Mile. Okay, I'm um, I, I'm assuming it can't be that big, so I might I might just pitch up and be like, "How's it? I'll just look for like a place with nine dogs. I just really want to come and see the nine dogs." That's just also eight horses, yeah, two pigs. It's got a whole farm here. Animal what? farm. It's animal farm. Yeah, it's Orwellian in many ways. <laughs> oh my but, god! Send me the address. <laughs> Stop teasing me. <laughs> We've got two huge pigs. They're the size of a Toyota Etios <laughs> each. But it's quite a big place oh. with a lot of animals. So who knows? Maybe the next record will be a folk album. I'll I'll just be the creepy person driving around looking for the farm. No, guys, you need to send me the address. Obviously, I won't give it out, obviously. <laughs> oh, my God. But listen... <laughs> Um, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you guys today and I I wish you all the best for the rest of 2022. But I have no doubt that we're going to chat again very, very soon. Yes. Because I'm going to come stalk you on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having us today, though. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Tex Talks. From me, your host, Tex, producers Jonathan Ings and Matthew Lewitz, and researcher Al Clapper. Catch you on the flip side. Head on over to texttalks.com for all our previous episodes. And remember, that's Tex with a double X.